Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me again this week is... Happily retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. How are you doing? You know, it's Friday, and this is almost my last work assignment for the day, and then the weekend, so it's hard not to be doing pretty good. Well, let's get started. We'll we'll jump into our first story. This is out of Florida. Um, the police director for Miami-Dade is in serious critical condition um, from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was traveling on his way from a convention in Tampa and in between Tampa and Miami is when he had stopped the car and apparently um, shot himself. Um, Before the shooting, he uh, reports are that he had been on the phone with the mayor um, apologetic for something um, details are have not been released as far as what he was upset about um the mayor has has come out and um discussed just uh, as an example of the amount of stress and strain that law enforcement jobs can have on individuals um again we still don't know a lot about what had happened what has happened but clearly um uh, alfredo freddy ramirez was was struggling with with a lot and um unfortunately this was the the way he felt he needed to deal with it you know and it's a sad thing joe if you read through the article um you know he's driving his car and stops someplace it's not like anybody can say well this was a, a negligent or accidental discharge while he was cleaning his firearm or something like that he was driving from a to b someplace uh and intentionally shot himself and and mm-hmm. That's always a hard thing to deal with. But, uh, you know, suicide is a larger threat to law enforcement today than attacks on the police have been. If you look at just the data and the number of officers that that choose that path as an escape from, you know, dealing with the trauma that they've experienced or whatever other challenges that they're facing. We we tend to forget, you know, we have a whole big chunk of society that just has a problem dealing with life day to day. And the average person deals with one or two truly traumatic events in their life. Officers deal with an average of eight to 10 a year. And, and then you add that up over a 20 to 25 year career. And then you add on life. And, mm-hmm. is, you know, we, we, we have to do more. We have to do better in supporting officers that are struggling and facing this challenge of dealing with all the emotional baggage and sometimes spiritual baggage that comes with doing the job. I, I, I feel bad for this man. I hope he recovers well, uh, both physically and mentally and emotionally. And I, I think the other factor, too, you throw in there that a lot of people in their own jobs don't necessarily run into is public criticism. Um, yep. You are in a job where um, it's not just your boss maybe getting on you about you're not doing things right. You, you've got the entire can sometimes have the entire public um, saying, hey, you're not you're not doing what you should be doing. Um, and, and that on top of yeah, the, the daily trauma that they experience, and it might not be happening directly to them, but that takes its toll. And uh, 
it yeah it you you can only fill up yourself with so much of that before it, it starts it starts affecting you you know and on your comment about the, the public um i'd like to point this out i truly believe based on my experience that 90 percent of the public really appreciates law enforcement and what we do and the sacrifices we make and and the service that we provide there's always going to be the haters but i think the biggest uh, offender the biggest contributor the people that i just despise for the way they go about it is mainstream media when they uh they call out what they think is a negative performance issue for law enforcement they'll take you know 12 seconds out of a four-hour video and, and 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 scream to the rooftops look what this police officer did and we need to hang him from the nearest tree and he's just blah 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 and then all of law enforcement gets crucified for one police officer's potentially really super minor mistake in that little teeny tiny piece, but it's blown out of proportion and we take this huge hit. And if mainstream media would pay as much attention to what we do good as they do what we do bad, I mean, the mistakes we make, it, we wouldn't have a lot of these. There'd be so much stress would be relieved. So much hate and, and, and angst would go away. Um, I, I, yes, I'm going to call them out and... I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to hear from any of them because they don't care about my opinion, but they, they've got to do better. And, and, or we need to just start ignoring them. Law enforcement in general, if it's, if it's a big uh, broadcasting network, just ignore them. They're, they're trying to eat you up. Just ignore them. They, it's, it's not good for our health. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Let's move on to the next story. Um, this is in Arizona where a federal judge had struck down a law, state law that would have put limits on filming police. Um, the judge ruled that the law was unconstitutional that would uh, could have officers ordering people um, to stop filming from eight feet away or closer. And in some cases, even if they were on private property and the owner of that property um, was allowing uh, recording to happen. Um, like I said, this was ruled unconstitutional um, by a federal judge. Uh, this state law is um, uh, these have been popping up across the uh, across the country as a way to, um, I would imagine, manage a lot of what I will call amateur um, videographers and journalists out there with their cameras um, interfering with police business in a lot of cases cases not reporting for a news outlet but for their you know tiktok stream or um twitter or or what have you um but uh, so far this isn't flying in arizona at least hey, and you know what we're going about it all wrong i don't care if they want to re honestly i don't mm -hmm. care if they want to record anything on their cell phone there are two two ways i would approach this if i was a chief or if i was a guy being recorded number one if you're within eight feet, and this is where I think they came up with the eight feet, you are potentially hindering my management of a crime scene. Therefore, you're obstructing justice. Therefore, you can be arrested. So record all you want. Stay away far enough. And, and maybe we don't put a, a specific distance on it, but stay away far enough that you're not actually hindering me and the performance of my duties. Because if you get too close, you become part of my duties and off to jail you go. And the second part of this is record all you want, but if I can identify you, your recording is evidence and I should be able to, to uh, subpoena it. And then guess what? 
your phone and all of its contents when we subpoena any video on it is evidence it's going to get presented in court a lot of these people who are so eager to do this if they thought for even a moment wow every picture every video every text it's all going to become a matter of public record uh yeah no maybe i don't want to do this think about and is, i mean all of us have this think about every photo you have on your phone every video you have on your phone every text can you think of even one that if it came out as public information it wouldn't it would embarrass hell out of you because i got some i mean my wife takes pictures of me being goofy. I take pictures of her being goofy. We have videos of the dumbest things in the world. We send texts back and forth like every other married couple does. Is there anything on my phone I wouldn't want to come out to public record in court? Oh, hell yeah. I can't imagine everybody else doesn't feel the same way. So, you know, look, you want to videotape the police? You want to do it from five feet away? Knock yourself out. You might get hit if a fight breaks out. You might get arrested if you're hindering the officer in the performance of his duties. And oh, by the way, we should subpoena your cell phone as evidence, and then you just lose it until the court date. I think these people would back off. You know, and I I have been on, I guess, I'll be the other side of the police tape as, as a journalist covering these things. And there is this sort of what I'll call this dance uh, where journalists sort of understand just where the, the line is. And law enforcement officers, by the same token, good law enforcement officers understand where that law is as far as letting access for journalists. And yeah. and it's but, it's but it's you're a good talking balance. about professional journalists. Right. This is you're not true. talking about right. these idiots out here trying to right. find their 15 seconds of fame. Right. And just or, or trying to be provocative um, by by taking videos, thinking by getting putting a camera or a phone in someone's face to do yeah. it. Um, yeah. Um, we'll move on to the next story. Um, this is out of California, Vallejo, where the city council uh, has declared a state of emergency because of officer shortages uh, in the police department. Um, the uh, department is down so many officers that is um, uh, affecting response time they're averaging about roughly an hour and a half to respond to some calls um again this becomes just sort of an example of a problem throughout the country um this is the first um city that i can think of that i've heard of having to declare a state of emergency uh because of uh staff shortages in a lot of cases um, departments have been pretty uh, inventive as far as figuring out how to uh, maintain service um, while being um, severely understaffed. Um, but, you know, municipalities are finding any way to try to um, make sure that their their residents are, are protected. Um, while they they try to get uh, get more officers in the department, you know, most of the time though, you can point the finger, and I don't I don't mean like accused or you you can track this and go, okay, why are the officers leaving? What is it about the work conditions? What is it about the pay rate? What about what is it about the staffing? I mean, if you have an agency that's already understaffed and the officers are already overworked, and you're not paying them a competitive wage for the area, you know, to compete with the areas around you then officers are going to leave. Now, if I read these numbers right in this article, 
Um, it says that at the moment they have nine supervisors and 34 officers left. That's 43. So if five have left, leaving them with 43, that's roughly 10% of the agency. And then three more going out here shortly, eight out of a total of 48. That's 16% of the police department. Um, is that enough to declare a state of emergency? I guess that depends on the crimes and everything else. But this seems kind of manipulative to me. This when, here's, here's the really <clears throat> the noticeable thing. When the local ACLU chapter and the police union both are against what the city council's doing, the city council's doing something really wrong mm -hmm. because typically the ACLU and the union are not, yeah. you know, they're not in lockstep marching, holding hands, singing kumbaya. They, they are both saying, look, this isn't going to work. And this declaration of an emergency, that, that may well be just something, a, a political move so they can get more funds out of the, the state or something. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But either way, this doesn't look good for the agency. It doesn't look good, excuse me, for the city. And the city needs to look to the city council to figure out what the city council is doing to run police officers off. Because when you're losing 16 percent of your agency in less than a year and in, in just a few months time, your city is doing something to get these officers going. And, and it doesn't um, doesn't help to attract or recruit officers if you're operating from a state of emergency. Um, you know, you're. You, oh no! I mean, you know, you want the to fact help. that all those officers have left. Anybody you try to recruit, their first question is, "Well, wait a minute. Why is everybody bailing out? What's right. what's going? What am I walking into? What's the mess?" Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. It's and um, also this week another. I believe is out of Michigan. Um, uh, you know, they're the state police are looking at you know having to to figure out. Not being able to recruit at the at the level of retirements, um, you know, and it, it's sort of, it that is sort of the two pronged battle of of not only just trying to get more recruits, but either retaining or figuring out what to do as you're retiring out the the old guard. So well, it's you know people became cops long enough ago to be retiring 20, 25, 30 years ago it was still considered an honorable profession. People still realized police were out there to help them. Society and politicians, and again, the mainstream media, have made police work such an undesirable profession and have set up such a potential cost. Why would anybody, and I hate to say this because I, I, I've been in, like I said, I was in it for 40 years, and, and I, I don't think I'd go into police work today if I was coming out of college or coming out of high school or coming out of the military. Why would I risk my life, my family, my family's entire financial future, when everything I see around me is setting me up for failure. We have to change that holistically, or this is going to continue and it's going to get worse. And along the same lines, moving to our next story, this is in Oklahoma, where uh, the town of Warner, um, it is its entire police department walked out. That was a chief and three officers. Um, no reason was given uh, for the resignations, um, and the town now um, is hoping within the next month to be able to hire a new police chief. Um, we've seen this before, too, in these smaller communities where something happens to uh, some instigating event that uh, causes a mass resignation for their small police department. Um, and, and while these, these communities might be small population areas 
and only have you know a handful of people in the department uh it, it, that's that's that can be critical um because there it it, it means there's not a lot of um that kind of uh, municipal support um, for these services there. So when four officers walk out that to a small town, that that can mean a lot. Well, I'd like to point out a couple of things here that really, mm-hmm. really catch my attention. Number one, not all four officers just quit and walked out. One of them gave two weeks notice. That's and true. I commend him. He's, he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying not to leave Warner with no police officers whatsoever. But the city council, potentially the mayor, said, wait a minute, we can't have an officer working without a police chief, so we'll pay you your two weeks, but you're out the door too. So the mayor decided, or the city council decided, that while they had the option of having at least one officer available to work and answer calls, they didn't want it. Nope, here's your pay, get out. That says something about some kind of disagreement between the city council and the police department. The second thing I would say is, if they think and this article says they they think it's going to take them 30 days to hire a police chief. You don't get a background investigation done and you don't vet uh, all of your different applicants. You don't even advertise and collect resumes in a 30 day window. To me, that means they, they already had a police chief in mind. Mm-hmm. And if they already had a replacement chief in mind, it's because the mayor and city council had a problem with the chief that went out, Adam Satterfield. OK. Whatever the problem was. Now, look, I don't know these people, right? The city council could be the greatest people in the world. Chief Satterfield could have been a problem. Chief Satterfield could be the greatest law enforcement leader in the world. City council's a problem. Who knows? But there's more going on in those little small town politics there that can be a bigger headache than I imagine what New York City deals with because it seems like the smaller towns, it's a bigger punch to the ego. But I I think that there's a story not being told. You got mm-hmm. the one guy who said, I'll still give you two weeks. Nope. Take your money. Get out. That's a problem. Going to hire a, new, a replacement chief within 30 days. They're not doing it right. There's something going on there that isn't being told. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Pointing out the guy who did um, give his two weeks and whether it's it was a, an idea of liability of just having the officer. You would think, though, that um, they could figure out some way that if, if only he's answering phones and taking uh, reports and complaints that way. But um, yeah. yeah, there, there seems to be much more to this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we'll go back to California uh, and another uh, judicial ruling and appeals court in that state um, overturned a decision uh, that had allowed a Stockton police officer to uh, recover evidence um, during a search uh, from the trunk uh, when it was unclear if he had probable cause to be searching there. Um, in the case, uh, the officer had made a stop. Um, he had seen the suspect walking stiffly and suspected that he might be have, he might have a gun and searched the suspect as well as the uh, interior of the car, but didn't find a weapon. He then went to search the trunk, and that is where he he finally did uh, uncover a gun. Um, the California Appeals Court uh, felt that this was unconstitutional, that this was um, uh, violated uh, the ban on um, uh, unreasonable, unreasonable searches and searches it, it this is an interesting case because um obviously 
you, officers can't go on fishing expeditions. Um, this didn't. I, I I mean I don't know where the the sort of line of demarcation would be as far as um, you you can only search the interior of the car, but that doesn't include the trunk. Um, does that include the wheel well? Um, and um, I, I thought this was an interesting decision um, so by, by the court. It, it, it really isn't. It isn't at the same time. Um, every now and then you can make a mountain out of a molehill. Gotcha. Uh, this may have been a case where the officer didn't articulate in his report actions that he viewed enough to justify searching in the trunk. Uh, maybe he was on a fishing expedition. Uh, but you got a guy who's on parole. He's walking in a manner where his body language indicates he might have a gun on his person. Excuse me. He gets to the car, in the car, out of the car. Certainly, at that point, I'm not even sure you have probable cause to search inside the vehicle if you mm -hmm. haven't observed a weapon. But here, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can't, you're right. You can't, you, you get consent to search areas of a vehicle. Uh, your probable cause typically when you're dealing with somebody inside of a car only extends to where they can reach, grasp, or lunge, which is how a lot of the laws were written. Um, but at the end of the day, if you arrest that person and you're impounding the car, then you have to do an inventory search of the car because you have to list all the property in the car. That includes the trunk. So if they were going to arrest this guy, searching the trunk would be great. The fact that they were looking for something to arrest him for is where they ran into their issue. Uh, juvenile, known to be on probation. Obviously, he can't have a gun. He's a juvenile and he's on probation. Both of those would prohibit him from having a gun. His body behavior, his body language says, I got a gun. I get in the car. I get out of the car. Now my body language says I don't have a gun. It's almost like he was baiting the cops. Mm -hmm. Um but he pled guilty to being a felon. I love this juvenile on probation felon in possession of a handgun. Uh, and then, you know, the, 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 he's going to plead not guilty now because the gun can't be introduced because it was in the trunk and they didn't have probable cause to search the trunk. But the report said he walked by the trunk and got in the car. Maybe if that off, it, I mean, did the officer see him open the trunk, close the trunk? Then, then we have reason. Yeah, then we have probable cause to search trunk. But I still would, sir. I still would argue that if you don't see a gun, um, it this really does come across as a fishing expedition. This really doesn't change how police officers do business in any way, shape, or form. Uh, quick question: it, it, Listening to you talk, it, this sort of um, I'm it was getting a feel of how um laws are being changed in states now when it, putting limits as far as traffic stops um for officers so that you know they 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 can't do those types of stops is like i i thought this was suspicious behavior i wanted to pull them over that some states are limiting um how much officers can do that um and this seemed like a, a slightly an extension of that. Um, again, just like you said, there are a lot of other he he's got a hit, he's got a record. He you know there are other signs for it. I I might I'm leaning towards this way. I'm going to find something, um, but that that now courts and the states are trying to limit that a little bit more. Well, the thing is, there's always been limits on investigatory stops and, and police officers, because of the nature of the job, try to stretch the limits, bend the limits. Courts have to maintain the limits. Um, <clears throat> you know, if, if you can articulate probable cause, then you're good to go. If you can't or you're stretching or you're embellishing, 
then then just give up on it. Um, there are still plenty of police officers out here whose drive at work every day, and I'm not being critical of this, is to get as many arrests as they can. Um, and, and then there's the other police officers out there who their their drive is to serve the public. And if they make arrests in the process doing their job, then they do. Um, if you're out there baiting the hook, so to speak, and, and you don't know what's in the water and you're really not catching anything, it, you, maybe you should fish someplace else. It's, and maybe it's a bad analogy. Um, I, I just don't think I, I don't view this particular court case, this, this decision. I don't think it's any big deal. I mm-hmm. think the police officers, the way everything's reported, 100 percent, the way it's reported I think the officers were, were trying to find something because they knew they had a uh, juvenile felon who disregarded the law, appeared to be disregarding the law further. They thought they caught him good because they caught him with a handgun in the trunk. Uh, I debate whether or not they even had probable cause to search the vehicle. Consent searches are wonderful things. The challenge is you get consent. It can be revoked at any time. As you're reaching for the glove compartment that's full of crack, and the guy says, oh, no, I changed my mind. You can't search anymore. And so now we can't, we don't find the drugs. It, it, it's a game. And it's unfortunately, it's presented as a game. It's a very serious matter, but nothing's really changed with this court case, in, my, in court case, in my opinion, Joe. Okay. Now we're, we move on to the, what I'll call uh, being a bad guy's hard work uh, part of the program. Uh, we'll start here in Florida um, where, uh, Suspects tried to take off with a uh, with a very large, very heavy ATM um, and thought that might be the perfect crime, except they didn't realize that uh, taking a big ATM like that is going to leave a trail. It might not be a money trail, but it, it will leave a trail of ripped up um, turf and pavement uh, that police were able to follow. Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to find the suspects, but um, it, it wasn't quite the the perfect crime that they might have have thought uh, when when engineering it. I know I, I I put this definitely in the dumb criminal file. So they stole a truck, uh, and then they used the truck to steal an ATM. Uh, and it, right there in the article it says, and if anybody's ever run into one of these things, you know they don't move. Uh, ATMs can weigh as much as 1,800 pounds. That's almost a ton. When you drag a ton of metal across pavement, it tends to tear up the pavement. So these idiots driving a stolen bucket truck, because everybody knows how inconspicuous that is, right? (laughs) They're driving a stolen bucket truck, dragging an ATM machine across the grass, across the parking lot, leaving a trail to their position no matter where they go. Now, they were smart enough to bail out and run away. So the investigators haven't caught them yet. Um, but they got the truck back. They got the ATM back. The, these, these guys did a lot of damage. And you know, the scary part is at the end of the day, if they actually catch them, they, they probably can charge them with the attempted theft of the ATM, attempted felony theft, depending on how much money was in the ATM, uh, the theft of the vehicle. They're going to get a bigger fine for the property damage because they're going to have to repave the parking lot. That's, that's what I was going to the damage they they did just moving it, um, yeah, it'd be more than probably what they would have uh, been able to heist out of the uh, out of the ATM. Yep. Um, same category, different state. This is in Ohio. Um, 
I almost you're, feel bad for this guy. I'm just saying <laughs> that up front. I almost feel bad for this guy. You're on police got a call of an alarm at a bank. Um, as as they got there, they they discovered a blue recycling bin in one of the lanes of the drive-through, uh, waiting there. Uh, as they stood, first they saw a black backpack drop from an access door uh, in the roof uh, over the drive-through, and then a man dressed what appears to be in a uh, like a full face ski mask and baseball hat and dark clothes descends then drops out of the our excess roof um and into the recycling bin this is all caught on the off on an officer's body camera um and just as he pokes his head up through uh of the bin you have two officers um on him and his body language you can ju it just you just see if you could if you could hear him talk he would just be saying i almost i, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids and this dog um <laughs> i'm waiting to, for them to pull the mask off and you know it, it's gonna it's actually it's the old the, man exactly it's the owner of the bank <clears throat> but oh it's yeah it I, I think he thought he had waited him out, and he he did not. Well, and they stood just waiting. They get yeah. paid to just stand there and wait. And I honestly, I think if I, I listen to it, he's he's dangling out of this hatch, and just as he's getting ready to fall, they start screaming, "Police, get down!" Whatever. And it's almost like a startle response because he lands on this recycle bin and goes through the lid uh, <laughs> into the bin, and then just kind of hangs there like, "Well, crap, <laughs> they got me." Um, it, it it really is, but it it would it would have been awesome if they'd have pulled off the mask and been like, "It's the manager from the bank." Whatever, it would have been it would have been great. But the the way the guy just he just there in the bin with his arms hanging, and they're like, "All right, put your hands behind your back," and he puts his hands behind his back, and then they dump over the recycle bin and drag him out of it. Like, I almost feel sorry for the guy; he's having a bad day. But you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Hey, I know you just. I, at the yeah, at the end of the day, you just have to tip your hat and say uh, you got me. Um, so finally, and we'll stay in Ohio for our last story. Um, another a fun video. This was um, again the types of of things officers might have to do on a shift. Uh, in this case, it was chasing down a runaway emu, um, which emu. a, a yeah. runaway emu. Look. I don't even see these except in Liberty Insurance commercials. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I it, it's and you might think that's an easy thing to do. Nope. Nope. Uh, emus um, extremely evasive. If this video is any proof. Um, well, and they can run almost twice as fast as we can. But I love this. I love the language in the article with the video. A large exotic bird was seen <laughs> running around the Ohio Capitol. After it flew the coop, love the wording, right? Escaped from a sanctuary. Excuse me. Um, but second biggest living bird in the world. You know, so we got a 120-pound bird that can run 31 miles an hour, and we're going to catch it with a dog catcher pole. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun. But, yeah, you, you got to wonder. It, it's it's the, the unexpected. The thing. Can you imagine the officer gets his call? We have an escaped emu running down North Avenue. Uh, please pursue and capture and return to the sanctuary. We, huh? 
<laughs> call animal control. What are you talking about? What, what page is that in the training manual? Yeah, exactly. Now, look, in Florida, they teach you how to handcuff alligators. That's why I was never a cop in Florida, <laughs> because you shoot alligators. You don't handcuff alligators. This emu, he ain't going to fly away. No. But I don't want to no. wrestle him either. Anyway. Well, that is that is all for this week. Um, really, pretty full week. Uh, <laughs> interesting, interesting stories there. So, uh, we hope to, uh, you'll be back next week and uh, stay safe. Joe, hey, thanks for picking these stories out and going through them because some of them they really pull your heartstrings. Some of them they just make you shake your head. Some of them they make you laugh, and and yeah. that's important. If you can't laugh, you end up dealing with those stories we had at the beginning. Yep, and that that's why we try to like to to end these uh, podcasts on yes on a lighter note. And thankfully, um, there are enough dumb criminals that uh, uh, I don't think we're going to run out of those anytime soon. Probably not. Thanks for everything, man. Take Everybody care. listening, stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the lineup. Please remember. The opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.